Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Speaking of chopped and iron chef, because not a lot of people know that you're a very competitive cooking as well. I am. Not like you, but... You almost won. Can I tell you, I, I, I won Iron Chef, but I actually have never won Chopped. I compete there all the time. I've gotten to the end twice, once with my wife and I lost. And I'm, I'm, so, I'm still angry about that. <laughs> it's so funny because I had more nightmares and more anxiety going into Chopped than I had before the Olympics, than I had before Dancing with the Stars, than I had really before anything. And <laughs> it was crazy. My name is Jeffrey Zakarian, and you're listening to Four Courses with Jeffrey Zakarian from iHeartRadio. In Four Courses, I'll be taking you along for the ride while I talk with the top talent of our time. In each conversation, I focus on four different areas from my guest's life and career. And during those four courses, I'm going to dig deep and uncover new insights and inspirations that we can all use to fuel ourselves to push forward. My guest for this episode has been a judge on Iron Chef and a contestant on Chopped, is raising two children while building a wine business from the ground up, and she happens to be an Olympic athlete. In fact, of the tens of thousands of men and women who have competed in the Summer Olympics since its inception, she is only one of 14 who have won a dozen medals. Yes, a dozen. Without further delay, please enjoy my informative and wide-ranging discussion with a warm-hearted and hard-working Natalie Coughlin. Hi. Hi, Jeffrey. It's good to see you again. It's good to see you again. For my first course, we talk about all things swimming. She tells me about all the extensive support she received from her family, and she outlines the meditative benefits of being underwater for six hours a day. How in God's name did you get to a point where you knew how to do this. How, I mean, 
Did you just decide, like, I'm just going to be a swimmer when you're eight? I always said that I was competitive from the second I got out, the womb, you know? I was born competitive, <laughs> and I... Diaper. <laughs> exactly. Like, I can't remember a time that I wasn't competitive, and it didn't necessarily... Like, I didn't have to be good at something. I always wanted to be the best, and, like, if it was dance class, I wanted to do three spins for every one spin that the girl next to me did. I was a terrible dancer, but mind you, but I just wanted to do more uh, in my little brain. You know, I wanted to be better. And I was better in the water than I was on land as a little kid. And so I joined swimming, but I wasn't, I wasn't good at first. I was just really, really competitive. And eventually I got to be a decent age group swimmer. And then by about 13 was really when I hit the national stage, going to junior nationals, going to nationals and actually finaling at nationals all within one year. Like I will never forget, I was in Fort Lauderdale for my very first nationals and I finaled. And I remember the announcer saying, in lane one, 13-year-old Natalie Coughlin. And that was just, I mean, I I choked and I had an awful race. <laughs> but um, yeah, I got really good very, very quickly in those preteen years. So how did your dad, who was a police officer, and your mom, who was a Filipino, how did they know how to enter all this? And how did they guide you and take you on the road? Like, there's a conversation between mom and dad, right? Like, we got to do this. She's really good. You think so? <laughs> like, how did that happen? And how do your, your siblings sort of fit in that narrative? Because it's a lot of work being on the road and all that. It's a lot of work. And by the time I was a teenager, they weren't traveling with us. You know, we traveled with our team and we had chaperones and stuff. But yeah, the age group years, so from like six to probably 11 or 12 my parents had to go to meets that lasted all day long and through really, really hot California weather and cold, rainy California weather, it was tough. And they they were the perfect athletic parents in that they pushed me to work hard and they helped me goal set, but they, they never chose my goals for me. They just, <laughs> they, they stupidly one year came up with a financial reward for every cut that I got. So $5 if you get this PRT, but if you jump from one cut to the next higher cut, you got $15. And I remember in one summer, I got like $600, which in the late 80s, early 90s for my working class parents was a ton of money. That was the one and only summer they ever bribed me financially because I was very, very driven. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So did this leave you any sort of, I mean, I know your, your mom, I thought this was very sweet because we're both Catholic that she found a mass for you. That's so sweet. I mean, just the dedication. That was just so funny. Like, yes, I was very, very Catholic um, growing up and my parents still are. And I went to Catholic school through high school. And even if we had a swim meet on the weekend, we found, we found a mass and it could be a Spanish mass, but we still went. And it's like, mom, I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> it's like, but it counts. <laughs> no, it's okay. The communion is communion. You're going. Exactly, exactly. You know what the gifts are. And it's five o'clock in the afternoon. It's one every hour. So there's no excuse, right? <laughs> it's so funny. Even when I had my first world championships in, I think it was Fukuoka, Japan, my parents got on a train a, an hour and a half each way to find a Catholic mass that fit into their, their schedule, which was in Japanese, by the way. <laughs> wow. <laughs> They're very dedicated. I mean, obviously the, the physicality of swimming and running is something that you can't, you know, if you're a musician, 
you can like, you know, exist on a fifth of whiskey and like some Snickers, right? Because that's mm-hmm. what they do. Right. <laughs> but if you're a swimmer or an athlete, what did you eat growing up so that you became so like, I mean, I was, I was looking at all these YouTube and videos of you. You're like in such great shape, but at an early age you were as well. How did that all happen? Yeah, my mom was always conscious about giving me um, healthy food, nutritious food. And even though my mom worked full time, she came home after work every day and cooked us dinner. Filipino culture is such a nurturing culture in very many ways. And if you see, if you ever go to a holiday at a Filipino family's house, you think they're feeding an army because it's just so much. And my mom was always that way. And she's continues to be that way. Like my sister just had her first baby last week and my mom's going down to San Diego to visit her and is bringing coolers of food and is going to cook her, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah. Yeah. She's being a, a, a very happy grandma. And that my mom has always been that way. And I was very, very fortunate. It was just your mom's Filipino. And, you know, we eat all the time like this and you're just going to eat 10 times as much. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Did she bring the food along and in, in like in storage containers already prepped for like break? Both my parents were always prepared. My dad was the one who got the pop up at the swim meet and like the tent set up and got the location scouted out. And my mom always gave us the snacks and the food and it was a a family operation. And you asked about siblings. I have a younger sister. She was at the meets as well. And yeah, it's just the two of us and all of our teammates and getting fed by our parents and sheltered by them. It, It was, it was really fun. And those meets can be brutal because they're you know, three days, all day. But my parents always make the best of it. They're all day. What do you do when you're not in the pool? Well, when you're a little kid, you run around and play tag and you're in your suit all day making friendship bracelets. I don't know what the parents do to to stay busy, honestly. (laughs) They're not on their cell phone, on their texting. There was no texting. Yeah, there was none of that then. But yeah, we would swim, you know, five races and there'd be maybe an hour or two in between races. And I have no idea what my parents did, but we would always run around with friends and make the most of it. But it is an all-day affair. Did you work with anyone for any data collection for your body as you were getting better and more exceptional and more exceptional? Yeah, so towards the end of my career, so when I was in my 20s and early 30s, we definitely did a lot more data collection in terms of blood work analysis. So, you know, if your white blood cell count is high or if your cortisol levels are really high. There are several different markers of overtraining, which swimmers fall into the overtraining trap quite a bit because even though my race might be 100 meters long, we have to train five, six hours a day, six days a week. It's really brutal because swimming is full body. It's power, but it's also endurance. It's kind of unnatural. You're using like every single muscle in your body. So overtraining can happen. And I started focusing on nutrition really, really heavily in college and then post-college and specifically recovery nutrition. So right after a workout, making sure to get a proper balance of carbs, fat, and protein. I would always pack my smoothies because uh, a lot of times after a really hard training session, it sounds so stupid. You're too tired to eat. So if you could drink your calories, that would that was always the best. So if I was traveling, I would actually travel with an insurer, <laughs> like the stuff that they give geriatric really? patients. Yeah. But it was kind of a perfect food in that it had 
plenty of sugar, it had fat and it had protein and it was shelf stable. So that's what I used when I was in China or in Japan or, or just a place where I didn't have a, a refrigerator and I could just throw it in my bag. But if I was here at home, I would make a really nutrient dense smoothie that was easy to eat in the car ride home. But the recovery part is so important because again, as swimmers, we need so much uh, stored energy, so glycogen in our muscles. And so mm-hmm. keeping keeping uh, the carb load up is is actually quite important. And I know today, it, you know, a lot of people are trying to lower their carbs, but summers, we, we really need to have a lot of that as well as a lot of protein. So the blood count work was the person who did that internally. Did you have anyone giving you supplements, like vitamin supplements, like you need XYZ for your joints, you need XYZ for your metabolic side, you need this for your brain. I mean, the brain seems to be something, the the muscle that you would work. So you have to calm your brain and then rev up everything else, but your brain is performing at this rapid intensity and timing and thinking. How do you take care of here? I mean, did you have a sports psychologist with you? We had access to a sports psychologist throughout my career, but it just never clicked with me. I actually, my degree is in psychology. So that's something that has always been very interesting to me, but I always would try to see this, the sports psychologist and I never quite understood how it worked. And the nature of swimming <laughs> is that you're, you're in your own head. And if you're someone who I would consider myself an introspective person. So in swimming, you're underwater for hours and hours and hours in the day. So you are in your own head and working through the demons and the angel and devil on your shoulder. You have to work through that. And if you do that in a healthy way, that could be very, very powerful. And I feel like the mental side of things I was very good at and just from practice. And people, you know, are often trying to meditate. You know, it's the hardest thing in especially today's society where we have our phones, we have, you know, I'm constantly listening to podcasts when I probably, as much as I love them, I should probably be in my own head a little bit more than than I am. But swimming forces you to be in your own head. It's nice to be in someone else's head, you know, come on. It is. Just tell me what to do and I'll be okay. <laughs> it really is. But yeah, swimming forces you to be in your own head and you have to confront that. And so I think just through the years, I was able to work through that and become really, really mentally strong. But I would always try and work with, with the sports psychologist, but it just never worked out for me. You did so well in Athens and in and, and London and Japan. How in God's name do you travel with the hours and how do you get your body... I mean, I know myself, when I travel, I'm, I'm, I'm 80%, even when I'm doing everything right, going to bed, eating perfect, you know, getting an extra sleep. I, I'm never 100. How do you take that, that performance and that science and practice and hard work and like make the time zone and that being oddly out of your own, you know, environment work? It's hard. We would always give ourselves at least one day per time zone crossed. So if you're going, you know, eight hours ahead, give yourself at least eight days, if not 10. But the biggest thing is just suffering through that first day and going to bed when it's nighttime. So I was really good at that. The worst. Yeah, because so many of my teammates, you know, we would go to Australia and get there in the morning and then they take a, a big nap that day and then they couldn't sleep that night. I would just suffer through the first day, go to bed at nine or 8.30 and then I was fine the next day. I was actually a very, very good traveler because I was kind of able to sleep anywhere. I'm one of those 
blessed people who, if, if you give me wow. the time to sleep, I'll put on my eye mask and earplugs and I'll pass out. Like I could do it anywhere. So that was fortunate. Cause there, there were times when it wasn't the Olympics, when it was just a world cup or, you know, a lesser meet where there are times I, I flew in the night before in France or in Monaco and then race the next day. And you just, you don't feel great, but you suck it up. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billings, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today 
in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. For my second course, Natalie explains some of the beautiful stories behind her cookbook, Cook to Thrive. Your cookbook I was reading, Cook to Thrive, and I was looking at some of the things you were... And you know, a lot of people have these cookbooks, they're unnecessarily healthy, which means everything is devoid of anything that's bad for you. And I love your dishes because it's they're healthy, they're, they're wholesome, there's real food. You have like actually peaches and cream, you have breakfast fried rice, you have like real food, but it's done with purity and, and sensitivity and portion control. And it really is a very good cookbook. It reminded me of something that Martha Stewart would make. She'd make real ingredients, the right proportion, like it's not about being on a diet, it's about a lifestyle choice, you're eating correctly. Like it's okay to have cream once in a while. It's okay to have things that we continue to call a problem or naughty. And, you know, you know, there's no, there's no mention of like, what's your cheat meal and all that, because everything has a bit of cheat in it. So it, it was kind of refreshing. Can you tell me about how that, how it came about and what inspired you to make a cookbook like this? I appreciate that so much. I remember in 2016, shopping the book around to various publishers. Awful process, by the way. <laughs> a very like unhappy process. <laughs> it really, truly is. And I remember shopping it around and so many publishers are like, hey, this one book worked and we want you to have all healthy ingredients. And that's just not me. And it's so, it, I'm not someone who just flogs myself every day and you know, eats chicken breast and broccoli and brown rice at every single meal. That is so boring. I mean, more power to you if you're someone like that. That's not my psychology. If you tell me I can't have something, all I do is obsess on it. So if I say I'm not going to have wine, I will obsess about a glass of wine. <laughs> and having already two kids for, <laughs> for those two pregnancies, I was like, all I want is a glass of wine. Yeah, it's a lifestyle. You have to fit the things that you love into, into your lifestyle. And it's more satisfying that way. You do end up controlling your portions that way when you have real fat. You know, I'm drinking my coffee right now and I have heavy cream in it because it's delicious. And it is. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not gonna do skim milk in my coffee. Like that's disgusting. Like why, why worry, <laughs> like why waste your time? Well, I, I love the book and I did this. I mean, your mom's cooking, obviously did it really. I saw a few little things in there that were, can you, was there, how much influence was there? Yeah, so the cookbook, uh, there are several family recipes and I was very mm -hmm. fortunate in that my grandma is still alive, my mom is still alive and my great grandma was alive until I was in college. So I had, had access to all of their recipes. Yeah, I was very, very fortunate. And so I was calling my grandma quite a bit in the process, asking her, because, <laughs> you know, she doesn't write any of her recipes down. So I kind of tortured her in that, hey, grandma, I really need you to write this lumpia recipe down. I really need you to write this ponset recipe down and recipe testing with that. And then combining the way that my great grandma, my grandma and my mom all made adobo into the way that I like it. It's kind of a, a mix of all three. And so my adobo, I use coconut cream, which is something that my great grandma did, but my grandma and my mom never did. It's kind of a homage to the women in my family that have always cooked uh, for me. And I wanted to share those recipes that 
make me so happy. And testing those out for the cookbook just brought me back to Thanksgiving and Christmas and Mother's Day and Easter and all of our holidays where the kitchen was filled with those aromas. And for my third course, we got to talk about a favorite topic of mine, wine. Natalie explains how she spontaneously agreed to partner on producing a wine label and how she's needed to summon her Olympic spirit to overcome the surprising challenges of the wine business. Congratulations, you just had a baby recently, right? I did, I just had my second. So I have a five month old and a two, almost two and a half year old. So obviously you must, through this stressful pandemic period, you must have drank plenty of Guardarian wines, which is your winery in Napa, right? Yeah, well, not as much as I would like because I was pregnant up until October, but I, I made up for it since. Oh. <laughs> but um, Not good timing. <laughs> <laughs> a, lot, a lot of tasting and spitting. But yeah, we I, I started uh, Guderian Wines with my winemaker back in 2017, and yeah, we've we've been slowly growing. Our two flagship wines are Chenin Blanc and Pinot Noir. We have a very lovely, lovely Chenin Blanc. It's old vine Chenin. It's one of seven acres left in Napa Valley of Chenin Blanc, and this is. And wow. it, it's at least 50 years old, but there aren't any records prior to 50 years, so it's a unique. Very unique vineyard. Last year, we won gold at the Somalia's Choice Awards uh, with that Shannon, and then also our Rosé of Pinot Noir. And it was great. And then, you know, we had, we had to suffer through the wildfires that a lot of people did last year. But fortunately, our vineyards were intact. We just had a lot of smoke damage. So we lost all of our red wine last year, but we were able to produce a, a good Chenin Blanc and a rosé of Pinot Noir. So how did you come about owning, co-owning a winery? That I mean, to me, it's, it's, I mean, the restaurant business is hard, but the wine business is like relentless and you know, you're at, you're at the mercy of God, basically. How did that come about? Yes, and I've, I've learned that. <laughs> I've learned that in the past four years. We've had a wildfire every year. It's, it's something that I've always been really interested in. My parents were always into wine. And, I've, mm. and once I became of age to drink wine, I would go out to Napa Valley. It's only an hour from where I live. And I wanted to learn more about it. I, I wanted to explore. And as I was learning, one of my husband's old teammates from college he got married and his wife is now my business partner, but they moved out here, out to California and she worked her way up in, in the wine industry. And I w was always very vocal with her on how much I admired how talented she was and how quickly she rose from, you know, cellar rat to enologist to winemaker. And one day she texted me and was like, do you want to partner on a, on a, on a label? And I was like, yes, immediately. And I had no idea what I was agreeing to. Best way to go into a business plan. It really is. It kind of is. And that's so my personality. I, I mean, this goes back to the confidence that I have gotten because of sport. I've always been very successful in, in sport. And that's just kind of my mentality. I say yes to things and then I figure it out as I go. And so far, so good, you know, knock on wood. What part of the process of wine is like, you know, I obviously drinking, it's great, but I, I love all the sides of like how they determine how many days it stays in that barrel and then it goes to stainless steel and then it might be fined and it might be unfined. I love that how that person makes that decision based upon the brie, the sugar, the, you know, the weather. I mean, it's fascinating to me, that part. It's almost overly scientific, but 
at the end, you realize, oh, how did this wine come about? What's your favorite part of that process? I love, so I am not technically retired from swimming, but I'm not competing anymore as as far as I know. (laughs) But what I miss about swimming is the physicality of it. And there's a physicality to uh, making the wine. And I love that part of it, especially with our Pinot Noir. We're about 150 cases a year of our of our red pinot. And so we're able to ferment in small small batches and so we do the punch downs by by hand. So the punch downs meaning, you know, you have the must, you have the grapes and the juice all together in a bin and a cap at the very top forms and you want to keep that cap moist. You don't want it to get, to dry out because you want the ferment to be even. And so what we do is we uh, sanitize, we, we, you know, you have a tank top or a shirt on, you sanitize your um, arms up to your shoulders and you just bend over the, the bins and you just stir the wine with your arms. And it's like you're swimming through the wine. It, it's the coolest thing. We, we did wow. a drill. We did a drill in swimming called sculling where you just um, go back and forth. If you think about like a rower with a paddle, you just use your arms as a paddle and you kind of do that motion to stir the ferment when you're doing this hands-on punch down like that. And so Pinot Noir is a very delicate wine. And so you have to be delicate with it through the fermentation. And so we do that by hand. And that's my favorite part. I love it so much. <laughs> It's like I Love Lucy when they were in the wine barrels in that that episode. You remember that? I do, actually. I do remember that. They were stomping on it with their feet, but I think that, you know, you get the picture. Yeah, exactly. That's my favorite part, the physicality of it. And then the whole process, like I love going and tasting the ferments when it's still bubbling and you could like put your ear to the barrel and you could hear that it's an it's a living product. It, it's yeah, I I love that. I, I love the entire process, and you know who doesn't love drinking the final product? Are you selling that direct to consumer? Mostly, yes. We are probably ninety percent direct to consumer. We had some good restaurant partners, but with the pandemic in California, I mean, it is shut down. I mean, we're opening up soon, but it's been, as you know, really, really tough for restaurants. So, yeah, direct to consumer. We have a great wine club, very loyal in that, and then some wine shops and grocery stores. And we just got a distributor in Southern California, which is really exciting because it's. It's mostly word word of mouth and social and, and things like that. Do you, I mean, it seems like it's really a passion for you. And and I, I love the story about the the swimming in the wine, <laughs> which could be an Olympic event if we, you know, if we suggest that it's your name on the event now. And one of the things is a 50 meter wine swim. Not a bad idea. That sounds so great. Very expensive, but it sounds lovely. Right? Very expensive, but you know, come on. Do you want to expand this business? Is this something that you like, you're actively, like this is what you want to do for the next, you know, legacy of, of this is one of your legacy pinnacles of your life? Yes. So currently it's a two business or two person business. So it's myself and our winemaker and that's it. <laughs> and uh, we're growing. Like we want to get to about a 5,000 case a year. So that's kind of the goal right now. And we've been growing thoughtfully every year, adding some varietals. So from the Chenin Blanc and the Pinot Noir, throughout the years, we've added a rosé of Pinot Noir, which typically we saigne meaning we just siphon off the the Pinot. Last year, we did a whole cluster press because we weren't making any red Pinot last year because of the wildfires. But we also have a Chardonnay to appease the the Chardonnay lovers or people who just have to have a Chardonnay. And we have a Cabernet Sauvignon 
and a petite Syrah. And then this year we're going to add a Merlot. So after this year, we'll have a, a full panel of, of wines. Wow. So people, what, what did you, I mean, it's like when you jump in with your eyes closed, you realize like, I didn't know this. Yeah. <laughs> what didn't you know? What was the biggest shock other than the temperature of the water when you jumped in? <laughs> well, I didn't think we'd have to deal with wildfires every year. That's been tough and scary. Last year, our production facility, um, we produce at Honeycut, and my winemaker, Shana Harding, is the winemaker at Honeycut as well. And Honeycut, it's deep in St. Helena, right on the Calistoga border, and it suffered a lot of damage. Um, the press pad was demolished. One of the houses burned down. There was a lot of, a lot of damage. And this is right as harvest was starting this past 2020 season. So that was particularly challenging and, and dangerous and scary. That has been been really hard. And then just kind of the flakiness of it all. Like you could, you know, meet someone who has a restaurant and, and loves, you know, supposedly loves your wine and wants to get it in there and you have this handshake deal and you might be on the way to delivering the wine and then they claim bureaucratic tape. It's, it's, it's the flakiness is frustrating for someone who I am not a flaky person. So I just do not understand when people <laughs> make a handshake deal and then don't follow through. So that part is is something that I learned early and it's it's still frustrating, but it doesn't it doesn't kill me like it did the first couple of years. Yeah, I mean I'm the same way as you. Uh, I'm in the business. I'm like, you want to do this? Yes, it's a yes or no. It's not <laughs> You know, to me, a yes is a yes, a no is a no. But now I've learned that maybe is also a no. Right. <laughs> exactly. And don't jerk me around. I'm busy. Like, you're not going to hurt my feelings. Exactly. Just say no. I, it's so frustrating. And it must be, you know, you're, at, you're an elite athlete, but you think like everything is supposed to be correct and done correctly all the time. Exactly. And that comes from, right, your mom and dad particularly, but also the way you've lived your life is somewhat of an example of how to live your life. And so just give it to me straight. <laughs> right, exactly. Like we had this major hotel in San Francisco that said they wanted uh, a lot of cases and literally we had the car packed on the way and then they just flaked on us. It, it, like <laughs> I was in, like, I, I was furious, <laughs> but it, it happens. And fortunately we, we've learned from, from those lessons. And yeah, but it's, it's just, that's, that's the hard part of this, this business. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates, young voters who are angry. The campaign moment podcast from the Washington post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. 
With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billings, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I couldn't end my discussion with Natalie without discussing your appearance as a contestant on Chopped. For our fourth and final course, we hear all about her mindset during the contest and her clever use of Gatorade to make a salad dressing. I watched the f- tape of your cooking on Chop because I was interested in seeing uh, the, what was remarkable is uh, I think everyone there had such speed and agility. They're all real athletes. Like they weren't, I mean, I'm sorry to say some athletes aren't like so physically fit. Right but you had you were like so graceful and I was interested to see your basket. And as I recall, I think it was salmon. I mean, you get four baskets and chopped, uh, four items. I think it was, I think you had Gatorade, Correct. right? And kale and salmon and some one other thing, maybe it was peanuts or something, I forgot. Yeah, like candy coated peanuts or something. Candy coated peanuts. So can you just, could you describe when you open the basket, your first thoughts and like how that translates from an athlete standpoint to like, okay, now I'm doing something, it's an out-of-body experience. So describe for the listeners like what it's like to open that basket. And by the way, just for those of you who know, I'm, I'm a judge on Chopped and there, we, there's no way you know what's in that there's basket. There is, there's, it's complete secret. Everybody said, oh, they know, and they don't know. We don't even know sometimes because they want the judges surprised as well. What was your stomach reaction and, and what did you make? 
I remember like the blood pressure is just like so high as um, you're getting ready, you're getting set, you have your hands on the basket and then, you know, whoever tells you to open it up and you see that red light of the, the timer go and you just have to make a decision. You have to do it quickly. You have no time. And I will complain right now. I remember that the entree, when you open up the basket, it, everything's labeled. So everything's in brown packaging and, and twine and everything's labeled. And I remember seeing filet mignon and I was like, oh, easy, put that to the side. And then I started working on everything else. And so I think that basket, this was the second one, is like filet mignon, chocolate covered marshmallows, maybe a spinach. And I can't remember the, the fourth ingredient, but regardless, I saved the filet mignon because I was like, that takes no time. And then I open it up and it's beef tenderloin. And I like I just remember being like, oh my God, like, that's not even properly labeled. But then, <laughs> And I tried to do a whole tenderloin in like 10 minutes, which didn't obviously work. I just remember being so frustrated. I was like, that's not filet mignon. There's, I mean, I could have broke it down, obviously, but you don't think straight when there's a timer going and you have like... You're, you're seeing the time just be whittled away. <laughs> Didn't you make something like Filipino out of one of your uh, main courses, as I recall? I did like a sweet and sour kale. So that first dish was the salmon and the kale and the Gatorade. And I reduced the Gatorade. So Gatorade's like sugar and salt. So I did like a sweet and sour kale. Yeah, so that 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 was that was very good. Like that one out of all of them was probably turned out the best. I think with the chocolate covered marshmallows in the next dish, I try to make some sort of reduction with red wine and it was too sweet. <laughs> Your style points are really high, but you're also just awesome and to talk to and such an exceptional exceptional human being and I I wish we had more time, but I'm I'm just fascinated by what you do and how how you do it. And congratulations on Ozzy and your, I think it's Zenny May, your other, your other child. Thank you so much. Don't worry. You'll be hiking up those mountains soon enough and you'll be, you'll be wishing you had some, some time back because, <laughs> and have a glass of wine. And I'd love to join you one day with a glass of wine in the kitchen. Please. Anytime you're in St. Helena, let us know and I'll show you around. <laughs> Thanks very much for listening to Four Courses with Jeffrey Zakarian, a production of iHeartRadio and Corner Table Entertainment. Four Courses is created by Jeffrey Zakarian, Margaret Zakarian, Jared Keller, and Tara Halper. Our executive producer is Christopher Hesiotis. Four Courses is produced by Jonathan Hawes Dressler. Our research is conducted by Jesslyn Shields. This episode was engineered by Molly Swanson and Natalie Coughlin and edited and mixed by Joe Tisdall. Our talent booking is by Pamela Bauer at Dogtown Talent. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, Visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, 
Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu.